This presentation has been previously broadcast. If you had the opportunity to retire early, would you do it? If you won the lottery or you invested in a startup business and it just took off, or you were just very successful at whatever your job was, if you had plenty of money set aside and you didn't have to worry about any of your needs, what would you do with the rest of your life? Would you travel, spend time with your family? A man named Leo, he made millions of dollars working, and he retired at the age of 52, but he did something quite different in his retirement. I'll tell you all about it, coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Rayner. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And, uh, well, we're just moving right along through the week, aren't we? Day number two here of this first week of Lent. Uh, so, Leo. Leo, this man who retired early. Leo grew up in a big Catholic family. Uh, he grew up in Wisconsin. He was the 13th of 16 children. And after normal growing up, going to high school, he actually was trying to discern religious life. He went to spend some time living with a Franciscan community and a Trappist order, but eventually he came to the conclusion, no, religious life was not God's path for him. And then he eventually enlisted in the army, and after serving and being discharged, he moved back to his home state of Wisconsin. He went to college and being a faithful son of Wisconsin, he did what many people do in the dairy state there. He started to make cheese. And he ended up moving up through the company where he was and was eventually named the president of the Frigo Cheese Corporation. He ended up making his millions, and as I said, he was able to retire at the age of 52. So if you were 52 and you retired at least you know 15 years earlier than kind of the average right now, what would you do at that point? Well, Leo decided he wanted to spend the rest of his life helping others. He had been blessed. How could he give back? He ended up joining the St. Vincent de Paul Society in his, in his community there, and he started working with convicts, men who were getting out of prison. They were on parole. He would take them to job interviews. He would help them to get started again, get back on their feet after having been in prison. But as he was speaking with the director of one of the halfway houses where some of these parolees, where they would stay, the director of this house, he and Leo discussed how one of the very biggest challenges for these ex-convicts was finding a job and supporting themselves, and they would often end up stealing food just to be able to eat because they didn't have the resources to buy food. So Leo, he said, well, I can do something to help. He prayed about it, came to the conclusion that he should start a food pantry there for the people in his community who didn't have enough money to buy food. Not, not just the, the people that were parolees out of prison, but anybody and everybody who needed that assistance. But Leo wasn't sure where to begin. And as he started to take a closer look at grocery stores in his area and how they operated, he saw that Food, lots and lots of perfectly good food was being thrown out. It was being wasted. It was food that shoppers wouldn't buy for whatever. There, there were a variety of reasons, but it was still edible, still fine to eat. So Leo, this well-respected millionaire, he put on some coveralls and he started diving into dumpsters 
behind grocery stores, behind supermarkets, salvaging as much as he could of this food that was being thrown out to be able to offer it to people in need. And eventually, one of those times that he was behind a store, one of the store owners saw this man, this man in dirty coveralls, digging through their dumpster, and he called the police, called the police on Leo for trespassing. But once the store owner realized what was happening, Leo was able to explain what he was doing. Well, this led to a deeper conversation of how the store could help. They set up a system to have any leftover food that would have originally been thrown away now to be set aside, and Leo could pick it up for his food pantry. And Leo started making similar arrangements with other stores and soon had his food pantry operating. And the name of that that food pantry, because of his uh, being part of that St. Vincent de Paul Society, he called it Paul's Pantry, helping hundreds of families in his community. And Leo continued to do this for 17 years. In fact, he actually died in a traffic accident while delivering food to someone who was shut in. That's how he spent the rest of his life. And that pantry, Paul's Pantry, it still operates. It still helps those in need in the surrounding community, all the different counties where it's located. In fact, every year they rescue over 5 million pounds of food from the marketplace. Well, here we are in this season of Lent, and we focus on what we call the three pillars of Lent. And those are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And almsgiving, it can take on many forms— But we want to look at that today. How are you helping those in need during this time of Lent? And have you come up with any creative ways to help others this year during this Lenten season? Well, like I say, today we want to take this hour of the inner life to discuss what Jesus calls us, you and me, to do in helping those around us, how we live out Christian charity, looking at the corporal works of mercy. And our spiritual director for the hour, Father Scott Bailey, is back once again. Father Bailey is a priest of the Archdiocese of Denver, and he is the pastor of Risen Christ Catholic Parish in Denver. Father Bailey, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And as we begin, you know, before we even go through the list of those corporal works of mercy— there might be a couple things that we can talk about here. The first one, I think, might be, as we talk about almsgiving, that word charity. Because typically when we use that word charity, we're talking about making a donation a lot of times, maybe, maybe you know, data, no, donating material needs, uh, material goods to someone in need or to, you know, a goodwill, a St. Vincent de Paul, you know, a, a Salvation Army. But the word charity actually means love. Can you maybe— Open this up for us a little bit. Help us to have a better understanding of what we really mean when we are speaking about Christian charity. Yeah, absolutely. The um, I'm, I'm living here in Denver, and uh, this Advent, the Archbishop of Denver had every priest preach about charity for four straight weeks. All of Advent, that was the theme of, of uh, our homilies every weekend, was kind of unpacking what is this deeper meaning of charity, because I think we do have a tendency to think about it as if it's just about uh, financial giving to someone in need, and that can be part of uh, something that comes from our heart, uh, comes from our charity, but that in itself isn't the deepest meaning of charity. We would say that charity um, is the love that God has. Uh, it is a love that is perfect. It is selfless. It is is complete, completely self-giving, and uh, when we 
have a real encounter with the Lord when we've been <clears throat> baptized, when we're in a state of grace and we allow His love to dwell within us, then we've received the gift of His charity, and then we're called then to, to share that with others. So, um, yes, our acts of, of uh, giving alms can be part of charity, but um, every act of love that we do that comes from that place of having first been loved by the Lord, every one of those acts is an act of charity. Another thing that, uh, you know, we look at Scripture quite often as we're trying to understand a certain aspect of the Church's teaching. Uh, The Catechism is another place, of course, where we turn to understand that. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church has a section devoted to love for the poor, and it begins in paragraph 2443. But one of the things that initially stands out, I think, you know, if you just kind of take a step back from that paragraph and look— it's in this larger section that it deals with the Ten Commandments. Uh, one of those Ten Commandments is where love for the poor falls. The Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. And maybe you can talk about this too. You know, if, if we are not helping those in need, and it shouldn't just be isolated to around Christmas time. You know, you talked about how you were, you were asked by your archbishop to speak about charity during that season of Advent, where a lot of us make charitable donations, or we, we mm-hmm. do things for helping those in need. But same with this season of Lent. You know, it's not that our, our helping those in need should be isolated or limited to only Advent or only Lent. If we are not helping those in need on a regular basis, does this mean that we are indeed stealing from our fellow man, our fellow woman? Hmm, sure. Well, and you know, I think it was was it the gospel yesterday the the separation of the sheep and the goats Jesus talks about in the the at the end of the gospel of Matthew um, that if we're not taking care of those who are in need if we're not um, giving to those who are hungry and sheltering those who are are homeless and all of that then we're we're simply not doing the Lord's will um, the Lord has called us to do that at all times that's supposed to be a part of who we are part of what we do. Um, that it, we're not called to this kind of, I don't know, private devotion, just uh, I love the Lord, but it, it doesn't overflow into, into greater acts. Uh, it is interesting that it's kind of tucked in there this um, in, in the catechism under that uh, commandment to not steal. Um, in a way, um, the, the church would always see it as we have an obligation as brothers and sisters to those who are in need um, to provide for them, to help to take care of those who are underprivileged. And um, and so it is an act of justice in a way. If if I have two coats and my neighbor has none, I have an obligation to give them one of my coats. Uh, it is an act of justice that I do so for my brother or sister who lacks. Uh, so uh, it is interesting even to use that language of of even stealing um, by by not giving to them. I'm I'm actually taking from them what they they justly deserve. You know, I, I think that can also we we see a lot of political conversation right now, where the government is, <laughs> and I don't want to turn this political, but it can kind of turn off. I think a segment of our population where there is is a uh, vocal group out there talking about the need to have shared access to wealth, to resources. Um, but at the same time, you know, we live in a, uh, an open marketplace, a free market society. So we can't let political conversation, 
and I'm not I'm not trying to take one side or the other. That's not my goal here. It's just we can't let those political conversations that can divide us make us stop and say, well, okay, I'm not going to do that because that feeds into this um, this kind of uh, you know political these these talking points or this ideology that I disagree with because helping the poor goes beyond any political ideology or any political party. Right. Yeah. Our obedience to our obedience is to the Lord, and the Lord is the one demanding this of us uh, that that we care for those in need. This isn't because we're we've bought into some other ideology. It's because we've bought into the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Father Scott Bailey is our spiritual director here on the Inner Life. As we're going to be looking in depth at the corporal works of mercy, how we are helping those in need in our immediate community, but even in larger ways. And what are some of the ways that you are helping those in need in your community, especially here during this season of Lent? One of those three pillars that I mentioned, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, that almsgiving part of Lent. Uh, what are you doing? And, and how, in the past, when you have helped those in need, how has that changed you? How has that allowed you to understand uh, the love that God has for each of us and allowed you to grow closer to Christ. Or maybe you have a question about how you can help support those in need. Maybe you've run into some you know, different situations where it becomes more difficult than simply going out and helping. You know, there, there's, <laughs> there can be layers of you know, bureaucracy that sometimes get involved in some of the, the things that, oh, we just like it to be simple. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Scott Bailey. Again, our phone number, 888-914-9149, One other place that uh, I, I'd like to get back to what you were saying about the what Jesus spoke about that we heard in the gospel reading yesterday, the sheep and the goats, and how we get the the corporal works of mercy from that. But another passage I'd like to focus on maybe for a moment here, Father, is where Jesus, he kind of seems to maybe dismiss caring for the poor. And we'll hear this later as we get towards Holy Week, but it's where Jesus has just been anointed with this very expensive oil and then Judas, he makes this comment, he complains that what this woman did in anointing Jesus, the oil, the, the perfumed oil, it could have been sold for this huge, huge amount to help the poor. And then Jesus, he says, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. So again, it could sound dismissive of the poor, of those in need. What is Jesus really saying here? Sure. Uh, we uh, Always we have to hold together uh, we have to look at Scripture in context of everything else. So when we're looking at what Jesus is teaching here, it has to be in light of everything else that he said, and he's clearly made it uh, uh, mandatory for us to be caring for those who are poor. So he's not saying that we should be overlooking the poor, but there is a certain... Um, uh, the, 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 Jesus is the Lord of the universe, uh, and uh, there's... There's just something really special that's coming from this uh, woman's heart who wishes to show her love for the Lord. So she's um, from her store of charity that the Lord has given to her in her own heart. She's giving back to the Lord. She's she's choosing to um, be generous with Him with uh, of what she has. Um, and so that's why we would always say that uh, our, our first uh, our first obligation of charity is towards the Lord, um, and from that uh, flows our, our charity towards others. And so she's to Jesus is giving him from her the store, the riches that she has, 
and uh, and the Lord isn't um, criticizing her for it because yes, he is he is the king of the universe, and it is right for her to be able to worship and show her love and affection for him in in these circumstances. I think that's also why we can look and say, you know, when a lot of uh, I've heard this over and over and over again, you know, well, the Vatican has all of these uh, kind of historical treasures, these works of art, you know, the Vatican archives, different things like that. Oh, if it would just sell all of those things, then it could help the poor. Um, You know, if if the ornate amazing architecture that is the different churches and cathedrals we have, if we want more simplistic, that those could be given and we could help the poor with that. But at the same time, giving God our best, people try and make this a false dichotomy, as if it, right. it, you you want to you want to say, oh, well, if if I am going to help the poor, it means that we can't have a nice place that is uh, dedicated to the worship of our Lord, our Creator. Um, But it shouldn't be an either-or, it should be a both-and. Right. I believe there's a quote from um, St. John Chrysostom. He was uh, criticizing... Oh, he was he was he was big on criticizing people who live uh, in a luxurious way, and he points out, you know, we should first of all be making sure that we're caring for, uh, you know, the, the vessels of the Lord at the at the altar before we start uh, dressing ourselves in in fine in fine things. Um, that the Lord deserves the first <laughs> before we uh, before we ourselves are, are living in you know in in some luxury or something like that. So yeah, it's fitting for us to to give the Lord our best. And actually, sometimes I think about. You know, the building of some of these gorgeous churches. Uh, Germany, Cologne, has this stunning cathedral that took 300 years to build. It's beautiful. Um, but this was built by the people. This was, you know, nowadays maybe we'd hire a contractor and would use our financial resources, but they were really using the people of the town who were working hard, putting in many, many hours and acts of love. The, the artwork, the, the carving, all the work that they were doing was uh, an, an act of love from their hearts uh, in order to be able to, to help future generations glorify. The Lord. Right. Well, and not just one generation of people, but multiple and multiple right. generation after generation after generation for those hundreds right. of years that we're helping to build those cathedrals to try and give that glory to God in that way. But also then it became a place that the poor knew they could turn and ask for Absolutely. help. You know, so it, it, it not only served the purpose of of giving that glory and honor, giving our best to God, but then being that place that the poor could turn. So again, that both-and approach. Uh, Father, need to take a short break. When we come back, let's start looking at those specific seven corporal works of mercy. And again, that's what we're talking about here today on The Inner Life, the corporal works of mercy, how we can more actively help those in need, that almsgiving part of Lent that the Church calls us to participate in. There's the prayer, the fasting, and the almsgiving. What are you doing this Lent? Or maybe what have you done in the past, in past years during Lent, that has helped you to really embrace that? Maybe it's been something you've done with your kids that has taught them the importance, the value of how helping others, those less fortunate, it really does extend that love of God to our neighbor. We'd love to hear your story, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be right back here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center. 
helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Hello and welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, today speaking with Father Scott Bailey, the pastor of Risen Christ Catholic Parish located in Denver, Colorado. And today talking about the corporal works of mercy, we're going to jump into what those works of mercy are and how we live those out, and also inviting you into the conversation. And the phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149. How are you living out those corporal works of mercy, uh, very especially here during this season of Lent, but all year round? What are ways that you have worked to help those who have less than you, those who are in need. Uh, maybe this is something you've done as a family, and it's been a way you've been able to teach your children the importance of helping those less fortunate. Uh, maybe you were the person who was on the receiving end. You're the person who received that help when you needed it. And how could you? How did you experience the love of God in the people who helped you? Did it help uh, dry, uh, just just instill and deepen your faith? Uh, so that you could have that deeper relationship with Christ. But if you're the one who's helping, if you're offering that assistance, how did that, of course, then allow you to grow in a relationship with Christ? Our phone number here to share your story, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, before we go to the phones, can you just walk us through those, um, those, the list of the traditional corporal works of mercy? You mentioned the 25th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel that we heard yesterday. That's where we get a lot of those that are in this list, but can you kind of walk us through so we'd know specifically all seven of those that we're talking about this hour? Sure, yeah. I'm actually looking at Catechism, paragraph 2447, uh, where we get a list of both the spiritual and the corporal works, and the corporal works of mercy are listed as these. Feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, visiting the imprisoned, bearing the dead, and then it goes on to say that giving alms is one of the chief witnesses to charity that we can do. Um, so those that's really captures really the traditional list of what are the corporal works of mercy. Well, and again, going back to that passage from St. Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus gives those words, you know, he says uh, to the sheep, those on his right hand, he says, I was hungry, you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, a stranger, you welcomed me in, naked, you clothed me, ill, you cared for me, in prison, you visited for me, uh, which covers almost all of those. And... <clears throat> When he then says the same thing to the people on his left, the goats, and says, you never did these things for me, there's the question that comes from both groups. When? When did we? You know, and, and for the people who did these things, they say, when did we do this to you, Lord? For those who didn't do these activities, he says, they, they say, when didn't we do this? And his response is the same inasmuch as you did or did not do either of these things, you did it to me. And I, I, I think it's really important that, you know, we, 
we recognize Jesus continually identifies himself as that one who is or is not being helped, being cared for by our actions. Can you maybe talk a little about how when we help someone in need, this is where we really are ministering to Jesus himself? Right. I mean, Jesus, we see in the Gospels, Jesus associates himself with those who are lowly. And in a way, he lives as, he's wandering, he has no place to lay his head, he says. So he's, uh, he's in a way, allowed himself to, to associate with the homeless. Um, there's, a, there's a poverty to Jesus's life. And uh, so he consistently associates himself with those who are most in need, and he invites us to to love not just the poor, but to love him who is poor uh, and has made himself uh, so many of these things. Um, even just looking at his passion, right? They, they strip him of his clothes, so now he's become one of those who's naked. Um, they, he's buried um, by those who love him. Uh, so even to see his disciples... In a borrowed tomb, uh, no less. In a, exactly, right. It's a sign of his poverty, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, Jesus has consistently associated himself in that way throughout his ministry. Uh, I find it interesting, I mean, think about the Ten Commandments are broken down. You've got the three, first three commandments about love of God, last seven commandments about love of neighbor. But in Jesus, it seems that they're combined. Uh, when we love the Lord, when, uh, when we love our neighbor, we're also loving God. So it's not this, this um, separation of, of my behaviors that I love God when I do these things, I love my neighbor when I do these other things. Um, Jesus is making it so that when we love our neighbor, we are also loving God at the same time. That's such a great point. You know, I, I think so often we look at Jesus's words, you know, what is the greatest commandment when he's asked that? And he gives that first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, your strength. Um, there's the first three commandments. And then the second, he gives us a follow-up, the second greatest, love your neighbor as yourself, which encapsulates those seven remaining commandments out of the ten. But a lot of times we look at that and we think, okay, well, so now I'm thinking about God, now I'm thinking about helping my neighbor, but not recognizing that it is in Jesus himself we are able to fulfill both of those commands at mm-hmm. the same time. That's such a beautiful thought. You know, uh, one of the other things that maybe we can talk about here, and you made the the mention when I asked about the woman who anoints Jesus with the costly perfumed oil. We have to take uh, Scripture and the Church's teaching in its totality. We can't just separate. We don't want to isolate uh, a part of Scripture. But when we talk about the full teaching of eternal salvation, you can't talk about that without looking at what Jesus says here at the end of this passage, where you know it, it, it's it's those who help the ones in need and essentially then are helping Jesus. They're the ones who go off into heaven, into paradise. It's the ones who claimed that they knew Jesus, but they didn't offer that help. They are the ones who go off into eternal punishment. And and so, again, not that we can work for our salvation. I don't want to give anybody th- that idea, but it is part of what happens in us living as followers of Christ. Yeah. And look, I always find it fascinating looking at that passage of, of Matthew 25 as he separated, separated the sheep from the goats. Um, both groups had no, like the first group had no idea that they were actually serving the Lord right. when they were taking care of the four. The, in a way, they were kind of surprised by that. Uh, for them, for them, it just kind of flowed perhaps from their love for the Lord that they just cared for others. Um, and that second group, uh, the goats, they uh, 
they appear to know the Lord. They appear to have some love for the Lord. They said, Lord, well, when, when did we see you in this way and not care for your needs? Implying that had they known, they would have cared for his needs. Um, so these are people who presumably love the Lord. Um, and, uh, and yet because of their, their lack of doing these things, it, it leads to their condemnation. Yeah. And that should be a wake-up call for all of us. Um, Father, let's go to the phones. Again, the phone number here, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father Scott Bailey, our spiritual director, as we're talking about the corporal works of mercy, talking about almsgiving during this season of Lent, the phone number into the studio is 888-914-9149. How have you been helping those in need in your community? Maybe you're looking for ways to help others, and it doesn't seem like there's many opportunities for you. You'd like some... uh, uh, just some insight on how you might be able to exercise and participate in one or more of these corporal works of mercy. Again, the phone number into the studio to talk with Father Bailey, 888-914-9149. Uh, Debbie is calling, listening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you. My question is if about the works of mercy. What if you give to a charity that that provides food and shelter to the homeless. You're not directly going out and giving people food yourself, but you're donating money to a charity that is giving food and shelter to the homeless. Does this count as a corporal work of mercy on your behalf? It absolutely would count. Yeah, it would be part of your almsgiving. You're you're giving alms uh, and you're specifically supporting ministries, people who have uh, the infrastructure, they have the volunteers, whatever it takes, the staff to make those kinds of ministries happening. Absolutely. That is is part of it for sure. Um, I suppose I would say if there's opportunities, if you, you know, pull up to a stoplight and there's someone standing there with a sign and and you have uh, an unopened water bottle in the car, maybe offer them the water bottle. Like there's still a way of, of still providing for the person face-to-face when God gives you that opportunity. But, um, you know, I would think, I live in a big city. I've got that kind of situation all the time. Um, But I would imagine that there's some places where people might live where it's not so easy to just find the poor around, uh, don't encounter them regularly. And so it's completely legitimate to give to um, organizations, uh, nonprofits, that sort of thing that that are intended to to help in those ways. You know, another thing that... uh, just in the world that we live in now, the ability to have communication globally, it also allows us, Father, that, you know, I, I have never traveled anywhere outside of the U.S. or Europe, but there are so many different places around our world that need assistance, far greater than what typically we see here in the U.S. especially. You know, we, we have such wealth and affluence um, uh, compared with the rest of the globe. I, it, most, uh, even people who are living below the poverty, poverty line in the U.S., I believe are still in the top about 10% of the wealthiest people uh, on the entire planet. Um, so, you know, knowing that that is the case here, it's not to withhold help from anybody here, but it also lets us have the ability to help those in other countries, on other continents, that we really wouldn't have had the same ability to do that in the past. Um, we also are able to receive information about the needs of people in other places that we just, we never would have known about in past centuries. Right. And in a way, I think in, in the, the Church of the United States is very aware of that. The U.S. bishops 
obligate parishes across the country to have collections on certain days um, of the year that they go to support those kinds of things. We have a collection that supports the church in Latin America. We have a collection that supports the, the church in Eastern Europe. Um, and this year, I think the collection for the church in Eastern Europe helps with what's been going on in Ukraine to help rebuild the churches uh, and, and help support Christians who are kind of going through what's going on in Ukraine for the last year. Um, so it does, I think, that in a way, the bishops have uh, asked all of us to make sure that we are caring for the needs of those around the world because we happen to have resources and they have the infrastructure and the people on the ground to help um, implement those those things in the best ways. Uh, well, and, and I think that brings up, you know, some other aspects of the corporal works of mercy, because when we look at things maybe like visiting those in prison um, because of restrictive and stringent security requirements there at certain prisons because of the way that that infrastructure is organized and in place, there might not be the same access that people would have had, you know, 60, sure. 70, you know, a generation or two ago to visit those in prison. Burying the dead is another one, you know, where there's an industry that is set up, you know, we, we don't need people to actively go out and be the ones digging holes in a graveyard to be able to put those uh, who, have, who have passed away in the ground. So how do we, in our contemporary society, still participate and perform these corporal works of mercy, like visiting those in prison or burying the dead, where it's not the same sort of access or need that we would have seen in past centuries? Yeah, you know, most dioceses probably already have some system for caring for those who are in prisons. They might have uh, extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion uh, going and leading communion services or Bible studies in the jails. You might find that there's a uh, some Catholic uh, deacon or priest uh, in a parish who's um, regularly going and celebrating Mass or hearing confessions at a jail. Uh, I think if, if we happen to be aware of anybody in our diocese kind of doing that sort of thing, we could just reach out to them or reach out to the diocese and say, do you have any needs? To, to help provide for those who are in jail. Like, can I support your ministry in some way? Maybe they could use a stack of Bibles so they could take them to a Bible study at the jail. Uh, I think there's ways of doing that. I'm guessing that um, since most dioceses do have some way of, of taking care of, or have, have some uh, setup for taking care of those who are in prison, that I'm guessing that simply by supporting your local bishop annual campaign uh, for the diocese, I'm guessing that some of those funds go towards that ministry to begin with. And then when it comes to burying the dead, I guess I see it as every time there's been a loss uh, in your own family, your friends, and you choose to go to a funeral. If you go to a funeral of someone whose name you just recognize at the parish, you don't know the family, you just show up at the funeral. Uh, in a way, you're you're showing support. You're you're doing what you can to be there for um, the family. Uh, in a way, that's kind of crossing in, even into spiritual uh, works of mercy. You're there to, to comfort and console a little bit um, and to pray. But um, it may be the best that we're able to do uh, sometimes given the circumstances, just to uh, go and, and be present and um, allow ourselves to enter into the mourning that the family is experiencing, even if we ourselves aren't directly experiencing that sadness. 
Our phone number to call into the studio is 888-914-9149. Today, talking with Father Scott Bailey about the corporal works of mercy, about how we can participate in that aspect of Lent almsgiving. Uh, some different ideas that we can you know, share how maybe you have helped those in need in the past. What are some creative ways you've been able to help those in need? Uh, how has that helped you in your spiritual journey? Uh, maybe you were the one who received that help. And how did you see the love of Christ through the people who were helping you? Uh, we'd love to hear your story. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father Grace is calling in from Arlington, Virginia. Hi, Grace. Glad to have you here on The Inner Life today. I, uh, I wanted, when you talked about almsgiving, I wanted to share just something that my our prayer group is doing. Uh, we are the... Um, I'm the leader of the Archangel Raphael prayer group in our parish, and um, it's totally awesome. We actually have a rosary for priests and then petitions for healing, and then we have the Divine Mercy Chaplet. But anyway, our group, we um, every month we send a donation to the Gethsemane Retreat Center and Adoration Chapel in Jinja, Uganda. And, you know, different members are, you know, prompted by the Holy Spirit in different months. But anyway, we send a donation every month. And it's really neat because at our parish, St. Agnes Parish in Arlington, Virginia, we have a beautiful adoration chapel. And we all love and appreciate the adoration chapel and the opportunity to be able to pray there. And so monthly, we're able to donate towards this Gethsemane Retreat Center and Adoration Chapel in Jinja, Uganda. That's beautiful. I think that's a wonderful way of uh, kind of su- supporting someone else in another part of the world that doesn't have the same resources. And it sounds like it doesn't have even the same uh, maybe beautiful structure, beautiful chapel that you've been blessed with and to, to support them in, in doing that. That chapel is going to um, be paying forward in a way the 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 graces uh, of uh, spiritual works of mercy, I suppose, uh, hopefully for generations as people go there uh, to encounter the Lord. That's beautiful. Yeah, thanks for calling in and sharing, Grace. And if you're listening and you have an experience of how you've been able to help those in need and would like to encourage others on how they can do the same, again, our phone number here to call into the studio, 888-914-9149, We need to take one more quick break, but we're going to be right back. More with Father Scott Bailey, more of your phone calls coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you battling an addiction? Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, can help you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com Gregory. That's relevantradio.com Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. Again, that phone number there, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And I'm Josh Raymond speaking with Father Scott Bailey. He is the pastor of Risen Christ Catholic Parish in Denver, Colorado, talking today about the corporal works of mercy, how we can help those in need in our immediate community, and of course, uh, much beyond that in the world around us, those who need that financial assistance, those who are going hungry, 
those who are thirsty, uh, those who have very little, and how we can help them, how Christ calls us to help those in need, and how we live that out in our lives. And how have you done that in your life? What are some of the ways that you have helped those in need? And maybe it was scary at first. Uh, What helped you to take that first step to get beyond that fear or that hesitancy? to be able to go out and be that witness of Christ's love to help those in need. 888-914-9149 is the number to call and share your story. Father, we've got Sandy who is listening in Alexandria, Minnesota. Hi, Sandy. Sounds like you've got a question for Father Bailey. Um, Thank you. I am a massage therapist for hospice, and when I know that a patient is getting closer, um, and it will probably be my last massage for them. I use uh, myrrh oil on their body, and I um, do, I say, the Divine Mercy Chaplet for them. And I'm just wondering, um, does that qualify for um, helping with the, the, the dead? Or That's a really interesting question, online? sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we have this traditional list of... of uh, seven corporal works of mercy, but in a way, I mean, um, yes, in a way it is visiting the sick, um, right? This is a person who's, it it may not qualify as burying the dead, but it certainly is is visiting the sick and caring for the sick. Uh, And in a very practical way, uh, you're you're serving them. That's a, what a wonderful thing you do for them uh, in their, in their uh, last uh, days or weeks, I suppose, in their hospice care. Uh, One of the things that, you know, could then translate, as you say, Father, you know, it definitely qualifies in that visiting the sick. But if that person does indeed pass away, being able to request, um, you know, whether it's your parish or, you know, maybe a religious community, um, have a mass that's offered for the soul of that individual, that that uh, would definitely qualify and, you know, be part of that burying the dead. Mm-hmm. Father, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you here before we get too short on time, but there can be that real concern. You talked about, you know, living in a larger metro area. When you're driving past people out on the street, it's very obvious, you know, someone who might need assistance of some sort. And there's that concern, okay, if I give somebody money, and, you know, I give them the, the 10 or the 15 or the $20 hoping they can buy a sandwich for the day or, you know, get something to eat. There's that concern they might take that money and use it for something that's only going to perpetuate their homeless or their, their you know, their, their state of being in need. You know, maybe spending it on alcohol or to buy drugs, continuing an addiction that may have led to why they're in that current situation. Can you give us maybe some guidance on how we, you know, I mean, Christ calls us to help those in need, and he doesn't say, well, only help those in need who are going to use it for the right, you know, (laughs) the right way. But at the same time, we don't want to feel like our donation, our, our offer of assistance is going to be used in an illicit way. How do we kind of understand how we can help those in need not talk ourselves out of it because we say, well, they're just going to use it for, you know, drugs or alcohol, but at the same time, try and be wise in how we are offering that assistance. 
Right. I would say if we have the certainty that they're going to be using it for uh, illicit things, then we should not give in that particular way. There's other ways that we can support them. Um, and uh, so, you know, I mean, a couple of ideas if you want to keep things in your car. Um, I know a family that uh, that buys uh, packages of brand new socks and keeps those in the back seat. And whenever they pull up to, win, to, to a person at the street, they just roll down the window and say, would you like a new pair of socks? That's one thing that's hard to come by when you're living uh, on the streets. And uh, and they said they've never had anyone turn them down. Uh, they'll always take a, a clean pair of socks. Um, I know people who will keep bottles of water in their car. I know people who will buy just $5 gift cards to the local, I don't know, Subway or something like that, and uh, and, and give out those little gift cards because they know exactly where that's going to be spent. Um, and if you don't have anything to be able to give them in a monetary way or, or, or material way, uh, just ask in their name and uh, tell them have a great day. i have um, working um, a little bit with uh, the missionaries who work with Christ in the City. They're based in Denver and in Philadelphia, this uh, ministry of serving the chronically homeless. Uh, they, they walk the streets. They build friendships with the people who are homeless, but uh, they don't tend to provide much in terms of material support. They're there just to build relationships and to get to know their names. And they will point out that sometimes a homeless person can go weeks, months, even years without anyone ever caring to know what their name is. Uh, and so for you to pull up to a street light, introduce yourself and ask them their name, and then the next time you see them at the light, roll down the window and say, hey, James, good to see you again. That can go a long way um, for kind of building up uh, kind of their, their sense of their self-dignity. So I think that there's ways that, that we can support uh, if even if we're not giving in a, in a monetary way. Yeah, that's an excellent suggestion. Father, let's go back to the phones, uh, try and get at least one or two more people on here before the end of the hour. Damon is listening in Texas. Damon, welcome to The Inner Life. Sounds like you uh, work with prison ministry, is that right? Yes, Josh, that's correct. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Father Bailey. I appreciate you. Uh, here in the Diocese of Brownsville, we have a, a prison ministry. Um, it's through the Colby Prison Ministry after St. Maximilian Colby, the patron mm. saint of pri- prisoners. Yeah. And uh, we go and we visit the imprisoned um, here in Edinburgh, and uh, the Colby Prison Ministries um, works through Texas, uh, colbyprisonministries.org, if anyone is interested. We go and visit the prisoners um, every week, um, do a Bible study, rosary together, together, and basically share the faith. And then on the weekends, there's communion services and masses. And then we also do a, a three-day retreat inside the prison uh, about two to three times a year. And I would just say, because I know, you know, there's not much time. There's initially, you know, some fear going into a prison. Um, but once you're in there, once you overcome that initial fear, you really see uh, the joy of the prisoners. You see Jesus in their eyes. They're so hungry for the faith, and they're so grateful uh, for you to be there that it really is a blessing. And I would highly encourage your listeners to check into it. Well, that's wonderful. It's clearly been a blessing for you, uh, and it's wonderful to hear about um, such a robust uh, prison ministry. You guys are are offering a lot uh, in the name of this incredible saint, so thank you for what you do. And thank you, Damon, for sharing about, you know, the reality of there's that fearfulness at first, but if you can just make that initial, you know, uh, step into doing the work— that goes away, and you're able to really see how that is a blessing for others. One of the other things, maybe kind of jumping off what Damon is saying here, Father, you know, we can't help everyone, all of us. We all have limited resources. We all have limited time. So when we talk about practicing the corporal uh, works of mercy, if we have a passion for one of them or for two of them, 
do you think it's fine to really focus on the, those areas and know that God is going to use somebody else to help others in those other areas where those needs need to be taken care of? But, you know, we, we know that this is a, an area where we are just passionate. We're going to really work on, like with Damon, Damon with, with parish ministry, or I'm sorry, prison ministry, or if, you know, I'm working, you know, in, in a, a soup kitchen helping out, and that's where I devote all of my time. Do I need to look for other areas, or can I really focus on that one or two? In a way, I think we have to just accept that we are limited human beings. It's, it always fascinates me looking at Jesus in the Gospels. Um, he's the God of the universe, and yet he still served one person at a time. He healed one blind person at a time. He stayed up all night long helping people one at a time. Uh, even he allowed himself to be limited by time and space. And so I think it's fine. If the Lord has placed in our hearts a, a fire for a particular way of serving, then I think go chase after that. And uh, and just as if we're prayerful and we're listening to the Lord, and he seems to kind of prick our conscience and say, you know, you could be doing more over here. Okay, then we start looking for opportunities that he's providing over there. But if he's given a, a you know a, a fire in your heart for one in particular, then I think, yeah, follow the Spirit on that. Excellent. Uh Father, we're down to about uh, 30 seconds here. I wish we had more time, but it's been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for being here for the hour. Before we do wrap up, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Yes. May Almighty God bless all of you and draw you close to His sacred heart and Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Scott Bailey, for being our spiritual director here on this hour of The Inner Life. I want to encourage you to stay with us here as we've got Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained. And of course, I uh, want to invite you back here tomorrow as we're going to be talking about, is it anger? Is that the topic tomorrow, Nick? Yeah, anger. One of those seven deadly sins we'll be looking at here on The Inner Life. I hope you have a blessed rest of your day, and uh, say a prayer for me. I'll say a prayer for you. Thanks.